Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we're talking to a collaborative pianist that I've worked with for the past four summers. Uh, Tim Chong and I met 2015 is what? 15, 15, I think is what we decided. (laughs) I think so. We think it's 15. And uh, we were at Bel Canto at Caramore and it was Tim's second season Mm -hmm. with the company and my first season with the company. Uh, And then we were there together for three years and moved to Teatro Nuovo where we just finished this summer together where Tim and I were pretty much inseparable. It helped that like there was only a wall between us at any one given point. Uh, but Tim is a, a collaborative pianist. He's a superstar coach. He, during the winters, I guess you call it the winter season down at Palm Beach, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, January through March, he's the head coach of the Young Artist Program down there. He lives in Toronto. And do you work up in Canada as well? Are you at the Canadian Opera I- Company? Do yeah. Uh, so I went through the Canadian Opera Company Young Artist Program, and then from oh, there, okay. yeah. So after I finished the two seasons of that, um, they've invited me back to play a show each year, usually. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. so that leads to our next question. So, how, as a collaborative pianist, um, the way that I kind of had it explained to me is, you could be a concert pianist where you play. Um, with symphonies, orchestras, or just as a concert pianist, but a collaborative pianist is kind of different in that you have to work with singers and performers, and it's more of a collaboration. So how did you decide that that's what you wanted to do, or did it just kind of fall into your lap? How long have you been playing the piano? So really, how did you get to what (laughs) I always ask like 10 questions, and people are like, that's a lot of questions. Right. So what is my life story is the question. Yes. So, uh, I mean, let's see. I I mean, even going into my undergrad, I had a choice, I guess, between music and science. And it was the very last minute decision. Like I was sitting at the computer saying to myself, it's like, okay, do I want to apply only to music schools or do I want to also apply to maths? And then I thought, well, let's just do music since it was fun. So I ended up, you know, going to my undergrad for piano, uh, piano performance, actually. And then while I was in, even in my first year, I guess for you Americans, it'd be like my freshman year. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm from Canada. So I, <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, we know I we're the weird. University of Western Ontario. And um, yeah, so in my freshman year, I started playing uh, singers lessons because they would pay me. They just asked me, "We'll, I'll pay you $10 an hour. Can you come play for my lessons? And I thought, well, I guess I'm making money by playing the piano. So I did. <laughs> and then uh, since then, I kind of learned a lot more about singing, I guess, because I thought this was, oh, this is very interesting. You know, going into piano, you never thought um, you'd specifically work with singers or anything. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed collaborating I played a lot of chamber music as well like violin sonatas and trios and quartets and things like that um but people were paying me more to play their voice lessons and I thought that was very interesting and I learned that I liked the languages and of course since this is a theater podcast I also like discovered what it means to like be like in the theater world even though it's opera and it's quite different from I guess the regular theater world, but it's, you know, still theater. And, yeah, still um, you know, all the, you're putting on. exactly. And still, so all the lights and the costumes and um, the story and the drama and all of that, that really f- was fascinating. So then in my master's, um, after that, I uh, decided to go and do collaborative piano, which specialized in, like I said, the chamber music or playing art song or playing opera. Um, and I did a l- little bit of everything, I guess. Some people did more just um, chamber music with the winds and the strings. Others did, you know, more of the vocal side. And I kind of tried to do as much as I can. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what I do at all companies is try to do as much as I can. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you did a lot this summer. I yes, would not have done so it without you. you. 
so did you. So I guess in my master's, then I you know, focused on the collaborative side. Um, lots of encouragement from people, you know, lots of people thought I could actually do well in this field. I think partly because of my personality and um, people kept saying that there's a different, you know, trick of playing for people as opposed to just playing solo repertoire. So, right. um, yeah. So then I, you know, finished schooling. I did a lot of summer programs as well. Um, went to Music Academy of the West, Marilla uh, opera program in San Francisco. I did a few um, Canadian ones as well. Um, and then back to Toronto, where I did the Canadian Opera Company Young Artist Program. From there, I went to Marilla again in San Francisco. And then people recommended me to go to... No, I went to Houston Grand Opera for one show. Um, and from there, pretty much, it was a very um, last-minute replacements for people who either got sick or had other engagements or whatever. So they called me a month before. Um, Houston called me like a month before and said, do you want to come and play one show? And I said, yes. And that was my first professional gig. And from there, I was recommended to go to Palm Beach Opera, where I'm still working as the head coach of the artist program. And it was there that I met Rochelle Young, who's a fabulous coach. Um, and she said that, oh, someone's leaving Caramore. Do you want to come to Caramore next season? And I said, sure, why not? So I did that. And that's how I ended up at Caramore. And then this, and then that's where I met youth in my second season. Yeah. What? Where did so you cute. go to grad school? I was it, was it up in Canada? Of- it was still up in Canada. I stayed up, uh, stayed at the University of Western Ontario um, because the professor of collaborative piano there, John Hess, is a very well-known pianist in Canada for collaborative piano and a lot of contemporary music as well. So I thought, well, I might as well stay here and learn from one of the best. Yeah, yeah. it's cool that they did both. You didn't have to worry about real. I mean, you probably had to reapply, but you didn't have to, like, <laughs> move yeah, cross-country to do something no, else. No, no. I, I had taken a year off in between to continue to play for singers and make some money doing, you know, the lessons and coaching, um, which was quite lucrative, I mean, for that, you know, stage in my life. Um, and so I thought I would just go and study at the same school again, you know. They gave me lots of great opportunities. Uh, in my grad school, I also, I mean, I took some singing lessons for fun to learn what it was like to sing. And it turns out it's really hard, um, <laughs> but really fun. <laughs> and it turns out I now understand why singers have trouble counting when they're on stage. Uh, so I have lots or of thinking about for them. Yeah, thinking about a lot of things. They... A lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I took conducting lessons. I still did like solo piano as well because I wanted to keep that up so yeah so many things and then sorry I was um at Caramore then actually in the season I met you I had some visa troubles you remember that yeah so I first met you via Skype actually because you weren't even you didn't show up the first week two I think it was two and a half weeks I think so I'm doing at Caramore and now Teatro Nuovo, I also do scheduling. So I was scheduling, I think back then it was maybe 45 singers from Canada while everyone was working in New York. Mm-hmm. And then I managed to show up and it was it was fine. It worked out. But I was <laughs> like, oh, Cindy's going to take care of everything while I'm not there. So. <laughs> except, except for scheduling. Like you still took care of all the scheduling. We would just have these like daily or weekly meetings and everyone yes. would be like how did you know how did all the coachings go this week and then they would tell Tim and then Tim would like go and do magic and like make all these <laughs> coachings happen yeah so nice. I mean in this collaborative piano field I also ended up doing so many different things so I guess I'm not just playing the piano and coaching you know the scheduling is a bit of it um uh, some administrative things I guess this this season at Teatro Nuovo, I did a lot of things with Cindy. We did so many administrative things, which is why we got so close. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. 
on headset for the first time during a tech because I was like, I can't be backstage and be in the house at the same time. So I was like, Tim, go get on headset. He was like, what am I supposed to do? I was like, just go sit on headset in case anything happens. <laughs> and then so I was sitting... Yeah. yeah, and I was sitting with like the lighting designer and like observing what they were doing. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, the first few questions that, that came up, which like while you're talking, you talked about going to Marilla for the Young Artist Program. I guess I've never really thought about pianists in Young Artist Programs, because as a stage manager, you kind of do internships, but Young Artist Programs don't really exist in the tech world. Right. So as a pianist, is it does it work the same as it does for singers, where you kind of are expected to do like a couple seasons or a couple years at different places for a Young Artist Program, and you get it like a similar training? Uh, yeah, I mean, that is definitely one of the paths that you can go through, um, which I did. So the, I did, you know, the summer programs, just like the singers at Caremore, Teatro Nuovo, or Marilla. Um, although a lot of the pianists are kind of, it seems like we've been thrown into like the work or, already. It depends on the company. So while I was at the Canadian Opera Company, I mean, I was already playing shows in the Yars program. Um, like, I remember I had to play some of the dress rehearsals, which would sometimes have normally been like the head coach or whoever would play the dress rehearsals. But sometimes I ended up doing it depending on what was needed at the time. Um, and some people would say, oh, you are already junior music staff in our company. And others would be more training oriented. So when I went through the like, Music Academy of the West, for example, there was a lot of a training component as well. You know, you had uh, weekly coachings um, and then lots of observations, of course. Um, although there was a competition as well between the singers and the pianists, um, kind of a, an art song competition. Um, it really depends. I mean, young artist programs are kind of like, they're this bridge between the academic and the professional world. But I think what you get out of it is like what you put into it as well. So like I said before, it's like I wanted to do everything. So like I tried to do as much as I could at these programs. Right. That, that totally makes sense. I've just never thought about it because I've never been in that position. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, the tech side doesn't really do young artists. They're like, hey, you have a degree. No. Now figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. But I've heard, you know, Santa Fe Opera has like those internship opportunities which yeah i think it's like a whole like mass of like interns right or something like that like yeah very there's young. a lot of yeah there's a lot of interns that they have yeah which i guess i could see it as somewhat like a young artist thing yeah so that's maybe true. similar they just don't call it the same thing it's an internship as, a, as opposed to young artists so mm -hmm. so then good point is i, I can't figure really out how to phrase my next question because I don't even know what it is the so I've always just known like rehearsal pianist and it wasn't when I did mostly musicals you had rehearsal pianists and you never really talked about coachings to me coachings was kind of a new thing with opera and maybe it's just where I worked in musical theater but mm -hmm. is there a difference between rehearsal pianist and coaches or because I know sometimes obviously they are the same thing mm -hmm. you know you you work as rehearsal pianist and as a coach but and I think maybe that's just Teatro Nuovo stuff. But is there a difference to you? Because to me, coaching is like you have, I would think, know the music more or like know the language more. Um, yeah. Uh, no, that's a good question. I. It really just depends. Mm, let's see. They are kind of separate roles, but often they're done by the same person. You know, it depends on the company and how um, many people work in the company. Um, for a rehearsal pianist, um, they often just play the music uh, at the rehearsals. I mean, they can, um, like, they can also be the coach. Like, I'm the head coach at Palm Beach Opera for the artist program, and I do play the rehearsals as well. Um, wow. But I also... Um, so I guess that's an example of that, where the coach also plays. And most of the rehearsal pianists at companies will coach the singers individually if needed. Um, that's why we have multiple pianists on a show so that 
someone can be at rehearsal and others can work with singers either individually or in a small group as needed. Um, a coach can also just be, you know, have a free, they have their own studio and they can just, they don't have to necessarily associate themselves with any company. It's just like voice teachers. They can just coach a whole roster of singers that they want on different roles or on different languages. And each coach usually has a you know, specialty, whether they coach certain languages or they coach certain styles of music um, or they work more technically, but without you know, stepping on the voice teacher's toes. Um, mm -hmm. At companies where I worked at, um, where uh, the, I guess I was on the show, like I would be on a specific show and usually I would coach the singers who are in that show. Because but you know the show? Exactly. But sometimes I would coach, you know, whatever rep they needed, whether it's other arias or other auditions that they're working on right now. Um, yeah. What I love about that is, and, and again, just being around Teatro Nuovo for, for four years and the group of people that we were with for four years, and listening to you guys talk because half the time the five of you were, would four of you guys would talk and I would have no idea what you were talking about because it's like a completely different language. Um, but you all got to know the singers so well, and then you would talk about who should be coaching who based on what everybody's what the four coaches' strengths were. You right. know, so there were days where they're like, "No, this person really needs to see Lucy because of such and such," and this person really needs to see Rochelle because of such and such. Mm -hmm. And so, it's. I don't know if singers or anybody else even realizes like how much thought gets, or at least how much thought you put into the coaching schedule on a regular basis on right. who should see who based on like what it was that they were trying to get out of that, that performer or like what they're trying to get their role to be for the performer. Right. So well, I just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that's the benefit I think of Teatro Nuovo because we, we've been together for so many years. I mean, I'm yeah. the newest, I guess I'm the newest music staff member at yeah. you know, five years. And we certainly know each other's strengths and personalities and how some personalities work better with certain singers or certain, you right. know, it, it really, it's kind of interesting uh, that way that I, we can discuss openly, like who should work with who. Um, Lucy's, you know, the, the go-to person for the Italian, really. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, we, we certainly think about who needs help with what. At other companies, um, it could really just depend on, well, the scheduling, like who's like available, who's available. Yeah, exactly. exactly at what time. <laughs> so um, that's what I'm used to. Like, yeah, usually, well, I work in theater and musical theater. We just have a piano player who plays the mm -hmm. rehearsals and then yeah. does coachings before or after rehearsal. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's who I have. Well, how, <laughs> how many piano players are usually at those rehearsals or just I guess one the, yeah just the one right yeah just, they're the accompanist who does the coachings and teaches everybody how to sing and plays during mm -hmm. rehearsal and half the time they might become the uh musical director or the conductor for the orchestra because they mm -hmm. they know it all but it's just one i've never had to worry about other people yeah um i think part of it well nowadays opera rehearsals they have to happen so quickly um, that so many rehearsals are so concentrated. And like Cindy, we had two, we really had two shows running simultaneously. Um, so we definitely needed multiple pianists for that. Um, yeah. And at other companies I've worked with, you know, sometimes we would have nine hours of rehearsals a day. And so they try to have rotating pianists so that not one pianist is there for the entire nine hours. Or like, right. and it'd be nine hours, like ten to one, two to five, seven to ten. So it's really like a twelve-hour chunk, you know. I mean, I'm speaking to stage managers and technical directors, and you all you work so many more hours than but everyone we're not, else. Yeah, we're yeah, weird. But the thing is that we have to remember, or that you know, it took me a while to remember when I first started. Was like, I'm not sitting there playing the piano the whole time, you know, mm -hmm. like. I have to focus and work as a stage manager, but like my hands aren't moving the whole time. So I remember my first few operas that I did, you know, I would very be very careful about like asking the singers if they need to break, making sure that the singers took breaks and that like certain people took breaks, but not even considering like the pianist needs a break as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know how 
Well, you know how directors all the time are like, well, yeah, those people have been not doing anything for 20 minutes, so we'll just keep going and they'll like stagger right. a break. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure. but you can't stagger the, you know, the pianist's yeah, yeah. break. So it's it's yeah. kind of a, like a different mindset. No, for or for sure. me, it was a different mindset to, to start working with opera. Yeah. Opera in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't even worry about pianists because <laughs> if it's a musical, you're not playing 100% of the time anyways. Right, but in opera, in theory, you are. But in opera, you are, yeah. Is, the whole thing is music. Right. Yeah, I mean, technically, uh, when, when staging rehearsals, yes, there are often chunks where they're just talking, and that's fine. Um, but it's nice to have, you know, a set of rules to follow when you're like, oh, yeah, here's a break time. Let's do that. Here's yeah, when rehearsals begin and end. Yeah, yeah that'd be nice <laughs> if it all followed those nice rules, know, right? right? Yes. So nice. <laughs> so when you do you speak I mean I know you do speak other languages but have you learned the traditional opera languages I've learned since how you started to, doing opera or well, just yeah I've learned how to pronounce certain languages um and I've taken some lessons uh in others um because the most important thing for opera is the diction and how you pronounce the, the text. Right. Um, and because it would take so many more years to learn the language. I mean, nothing replaces learning the language itself, but uh, you can kind of get away with um, learning just the diction. Of course, you can continue to add layers on top of that. So it's like learning the not just how each word is pronounced, but how words are grouped together and then how sentences are grouped together and then verb tenses, you know, and then mm-hmm. from there you like, you get to like learning the whole language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course with opera, you're also learning archaic poetic um, st- structures. Just like if you were learning Shakespeare, you're like, oh yeah, we don't speak that way. You right. know? So same with the Italian and that, you know, Mozart opera. So I, you know, of course, I speak English and I speak Cantonese, which not very helpful for opera, but, you know. No, but that's, that's okay. very cool that's that my, you speak Cantonese. That's my, native, that's my native language. And then I, you know, I don't speak Mandarin, but I know a bunch of words I can kind of pass with some, you know, um, I can say like hello and whatever and kind of get by. Um, I studied French until I was in grade 11 in, because I'm from Toronto. And then... Uh, I took like two months of German. Actually, when I went to Berlin, I went on a German uh, language study course. So that was fun, but I don't think I would study it. Like I wouldn't say I would speak it. Um, And then actually at these young artist programs, I have diction coachings and also some language coachings, but it really depends on the program that you go to um, and how much funding and we have and how much, you know, how many resources we have. So I had some of that. And then, so, but I know how to pronounce uh, Italian, French, and German, because for the most part, they are very phonetic. So once you learn a bunch of the rules, you can kind of get by and you can figure it out. Whereas English has way too many exceptions to even (laughs) begin. And I also taught myself how to pronounce, well, not just myself, but Hungarian and Spanish. Spanish, I, I feel is, in, um, yeah, Spanish, I feel it's slightly different pronunciation, but kind of similar to Italian. Yeah, it is very similar. to. So I think it wasn't too bad kind of figuring that out. Um, it's, it's more the stresses, like they have like long and short syllables in Italian, but Spanish is not as long and not as short. So it's much more equal. And I had to learn yeah. how to kind of figure that out as well, you know, um, so like I don't know in Italian, mamma mia, like it was a ba ba da ba, like there's this triplet feel in Italian. But in Spanish, it's much more, um, much more even. And I don't even know how to like imitate a Spanish phrase or something. Do you speak Spanish? Either I no. I had to take it no. for three years, and I'm absolutely hideous at language. <laughs> Twins much no. better. She took German. We also had a German oh, exchange right. student. But Cindy and our mom were much better on the languages. Me and my dad, mm-hmm. terrible. I don't know how our brother goes. I don't think he was very good at Spanish either. Yeah. I love the language. But, my, yeah, that was my big question because you, especially with Caremore and Chatrinovo, 
there's a whole Italian element for the program, you know, especially this summer, we taught three different Italian classes based on the different levels. And most bel canto opera is in Italian. And so the fact that you guys are coaching people in Italian, I was always curious, like, do you, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's more helpful to speak the language fluently, but how do you learn that to teach to somebody else? Just is uh, yeah. so interesting well, to me. It is interesting, actually. I mean, we have other resources um, and translations. I mean, all of us, we have to know how each word is, like what each word means. So we, all the coaches, if you're coaching, you really need to know kind of how, um, like you need to translate the show yourself so that you're able to um, teach it, I guess, and also be able to help the performers with the other parts. So often in coaching, I will sing like the other parts so that the singer, mm -hmm. when they're preparing for the role, they will have some idea uh, of like what they will hear. Um, and technically, I suppose, like if you're a rehearsal pianist who were just hired to play some of the rehearsals, I mean, technically you don't need to translate the show, even though that would be a very like basic thing that one could, should probably do. Um, but you could get by with just playing the piano. But I, as a coach, right. you know, you would want to learn what the show means, you know. What's um, actually happening. Yeah. What's actually happening. And it, it's the same, I think, in theater. It's just that it's in a different language. I had to prep a Phantom of the Opera recently um, for someone on Broadway. It was my first time coaching someone for Broadway. And um, I had to... Uh, well, I had to learn the show very quickly as well and just kind of go through all the the parts of the show that involve their roles. So I was just um, kind of helping him with a role, which was um, Ubaldi. Yeah, the tenor, the opera tenor. And uh, that was fun. And I got to sing all the other parts and try to pretend to be all the other characters. I think that's like so much fun. Wait, Stacey, you don't know Tim, but like that's one of the no. best parts is watching Tim play all the other characters. <laughs> it's, it's very fun. It's very fun. Oh, I mean, it's so much fun. I think that's part, that's why one wants to do it. And that's why like the theater aspect has become so interesting to me. So when I'm learning a show, I really, I'll take some time to like try to get into that character, even in my own practice room, you know, just to see like, oh, what would this character do? What would this, like, why does this character say this thing? And even though yeah. it's so dumb, you know. <laughs> there's gotta be a reason behind there's it there's gotta be a reason behind it so <laughs> so yeah I, but i just do that in my own practice room and in rehearsals as well so so then so when learning just... no my turn so when learning well, I, a new I part have a question i just had a comment that, that okay. this is why like we bring people on these podcasts because even though i've worked with tim for years and i've worked with opera coaches and pianists like I don't think about all of this stuff that you guys go into. In my head, I'm like, well, the pianist just like comes in and plays and notes on the page. Yeah, but you have Well, the same you just thing. stare I mean, at the book. Right, I just call breaks according to Ben McKino, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, the same, it's the same thing. We don't think about the costumes like the, or the lighting or like yeah. exactly what you have to do. I mean, and it's clear that many people are not thinking about what you do, Cindy, because clearly some people think you can do many, many things many, at the same many. time. <laughs> Literally at the same time, be in multiple places at once. You can it's like, right. oh, that's toilets, no problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so now then, you can ask your question. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I know some directors, when they prepare a show, uh, my, my best friend, Sean Gray, he will take months getting a show ready to direct. Mm -hmm. And his right. script is like highlighted with every highlighter he can find and circled in beats and things like that. Do you do that for every piece so that you know how to train or coach uh, the singers? Well, so when I learn a score, I mean, I also like to take a few months to learn it. And depending on the longest I spent learning a show, I started about a year before because I knew what wow. show I was heading into and I knew that it was very difficult. So I... Yes, I do the translations. I mean, I take um, different colored markers uh, and I highlight each character in a different color. Um, although now I bought a new iPad so I can use it on my iPad, which is very exciting. Um, nice. But yeah, different colors. Um, of course, I have to learn the piano part, but I'll, uh, I usually will study the orchestra part as well. So I know what instruments are in the parts. Um, so 
in, I guess, in the opera world, I mean, even in theater, I suppose, um, we have just these piano reductions of the score that's, you know, usually played by a big orchestra. And the piano reduction is usually just um, the whoever the arranger, the choice was to do that. And it's usually the main melody and, you know, the basic accompaniment. But sometimes they'll leave out certain lines played by different instruments. And sometimes I like to add them back in, you know, um, and so I would study that score and I would also put that back in. I mean, it depends on like at Teatro Nuovo, because I wasn't specifically on those shows, I didn't actually do that bit of work, you know, and you kind of prioritize what needs to be done because there's just not enough time in the world, you know, for all these things. So I do that as well. Um, let's see, what else do I do? Um, you know, I'll write certain notes about how, like, character, but not necessarily everything because, you know, you also want in your coachings the singers to bring in whatever they have as well. I mean, I'll do both so that we can have a discussion maybe um, so that um, you don't, well, I don't necessarily want to enforce my idea of character or whatever, of or the musical idea onto the singer before they've had a chance to kind of express it. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of prep work, but it's, but I like it. You know, it's very interesting work. Does that answer your question? Yeah. The, the iPad, is there a specific program you use to do all of that or you just have like a pdf of the music that you can then highlight or do you have a program that you can add things in and change things and manipulate oh uh, yeah i mean i bought an app recently well a couple years ago now um called for score but f-o-r and then score and then um you can download basically there are pdfs um onto the program and then they have a lot of different functions you can circle and highlight and add text and do um what else you know oh you can add like sharks and flats if they're missing or so many different things so i do that yeah, i feel like that's fun. a that was a huge thing this year i mean i feel like you've been using your ipad the most for in the past four summers that i've known you um and then this year, like everybody else was kind of getting on board with it, which was awesome because we were up at purchase. And so no, a lot of people didn't want to bring like full scores with them all the time. But right. it was so many people were just using their <laughs> iPads all the time. And I I can't. Well, I mean, I suppose I could, but I still haven't yet. Like as a calling stage manager, I want to have like the physical paper. And I remember Rochelle like sent us the um, uh, uh, the Rufato. Mm-hmm. And I went to print it, but because she had done it on her iPad and there were like so many layers because there was like the original PDF and then she had like made all of her cuts and then it had all of her notes on it. And it took like an hour and a half to like download and print at Staples because it was so many different layers of things. <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, it was nice because it had like all of her notes and her cuts in it, you know, mm-hmm. so she could just like send it off. And if everybody else had an iPad, they just had everything right there at their fingertips, which oh, was really cool. And you didn't it's have been- to waste all that paper. Yeah, it's been really convenient. I think if I were on a show specifically, um, I would have also a paper copy because I like to work from that. But mm-hmm. I think because, you know, this year we had the Mozart project as well at Teatro Nuovo, where we also uh, had role studies for the apprentice artists in five different Mozart operas. So plus the two main stage shows, and the rifato, the redone version of Tancredi, that's eight different shows. And if each opera, you know, can be anywhere from 200 to 450 pages, you know, you can't really bring that around with you everywhere. So yeah. it's really nice to have that iPad now to have it, you know, downloaded and, and I can make notes. It's great. Yeah, I've noticed well, even, a, a number of more yeah. people in, in orchestra pits will show up with an, an iPad. And they have special mm-hmm. music stands for them and lights for them. And you just have to give mm-hmm. them power, which, whatever, yeah. we have power. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. it, it I mean, saves paper. Pages, so that's cool. Yeah, and pages don't fly away. I mean, uh, some people, the biggest concerns I guess people have are like, oh, what if it malfunctions? 
And so often I do have a paper copy kind of nearby just in case, but it's the same as if you accidentally flip two pages or if the, if you're outdoors, the wind blew the music away, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just the same thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'd love that you talked about how you, you get to know the orchestra score as well. Uh, Cause what you're coming about downloading things on the iPad, there are a number of orchestra members this year, and I think it's just the way that we set up our orchestra that had their parts, but they also wanted the full orchestra score mm-hmm. because of the fact that like we didn't have a traditional conductor and they were kind of cueing each other and taking things off themselves. But in an orchestra part, they only have their specific notes and don't know who else is playing around them. Right. So quite a few of them, by the time we got to performances, there was all these extra music stands set up <laughs> and iPads all over the place because they were following along in like the full score that they had taken notes on. So then they knew like who to look out to. So yeah. I swear every day I showed up to the theater, they were asking for like two more music stands. And I was like, where are the music stands going? Until I realized that they were like using them for full scores. You know, that's so proactive of them. Usually orchestras don't really do that. This orchestra was kind of amazing yeah. though. They were very proactive about a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Were... Was it a union orchestra or not? Not really. No, I, I mean, so. Tim might be able to talk about it more. It was... So... Because uh, at Teatro Nuovo this year, we decided, well, Will Crutchfield, the general director, decided to expand the uh, program to incorporate an orchestral element and to try to set up the orchestra in the same way that they did back in around the time when the operas were written, I guess it was 1813. And so they didn't have a real conductor that you would imagine these days. Whereas, but actually the music director is the pianist who would lead the orchestra from the piano. Um, And so the conductor was also basically playing the piano at the same time. So you can't conduct unless you're like nodding or wiggling your shoulders as much because your hands have to be on the keyboard. Well, Mm -hmm. the, the, he doesn't usually play the piano the entire time. And also the, uh, concertmaster, the first violinist, would also be the leader of the orchestra. So there would be co-directors for the orchestra. And this was a very novel thing, even though it's, you know, 250 years old. But it's still, uh, for us now, it's a new thing. And I think a lot of these orchestra members, they were uh, recent graduates or still in graduate programs, I think mostly from Juilliard, Um and so they were very interested in what the orchestra was doing, and they were interested in learning more um, about it. And a lot of them were actually staying on the campus with us, so they had they were quite immersed into the whole idea of this historical performance. Um, lots of other orchestras, when they come into play, they just you know they're it's a job for them. Um, so they don't necessarily need to learn about all the other parts. But a lot of them were very keen, I guess, uh, this this summer to look at what's going on around them and to take more ownership of what they were playing. Yeah, it was a really awesome experience. And we're actually going to have Jakob on on the podcast in like two weeks. So oh, I'm yay. super excited to like have him talk about it from his perspective because he was our concertmaster first violin um and i think the only person will says who knows more about rossini than he does so it's gonna be it's gonna be an awesome conversation but yeah so that kind of leads to do you i mean i guess in bill conto it doesn't happen often it happens more in like musical theater but how often do you as a rehearsal pianist actually get to play in the orchestra uh occasionally i guess uh some it depends on what opera has a piano part written into it, or if not, it would be yeah. uh, any keyboard instrument. So I played Celesta a lot. Well, a lot. I mean, I played it in maybe three or four shows. And, <laughs> that uh, could be a lot, because I don't even know how many shows I've done that has had one of those. Right. I played, I made my organ debut, which I, and I don't play the organ at all. So also for a show at the Canadian Opera Company for Bartok's Bluebeard's Castle, which is where I had to learn the Hungarian for. Um, And so I ended up, I mean, and the organ part isn't 
that difficult in that piece, but I did have to learn how to use my feet for yeah. the organ pedals, which I had never done before. Yeah, it's so, like playing two or three instruments from what I've heard, because there's like two yeah. keyboards and a bunch of pedals instead of just like three pedals and one keyboard. Yes, no, it's it's crazy. But at least there weren't too many. It wasn't a big organ part, so we had two settings for the organ, and I basically just had to switch the setting with one button, and then I just played the notes. So that wasn't too bad. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Have you ever done Faust? Because Faust has a few organ parts in it. Oh, no, I've, done... I've never done that. Uh, it's the show that I've done the most, which is kind of weird. But uh, oh, yeah, there's I've like never done that. I would love to do that show. Two, at least two big organ parts. Of course, okay. the church scene and then um, the very end right. when the, all the angels sing and she ascends to heaven. Right, 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 right. right. But... Yeah, a lot of the organ parts, you don't need necessarily need to play the full organ. So, And there are a right. lot of... I mean, there are so many companies where they, they, want, they don't have an organ. And the one I was going to say, what orchestra pit has an organ? Like, it just right. doesn't exist unless you're in a chapel. No, not really. Some like, some symphony halls might have an organ if they were doing a show or a concert mm -hmm. version. Uh, usually we use an electronic, uh, mm -hmm. usually not a keyboard, but sometimes a keyboard. It really depends on the company. Um and it depends on how good the organ is. You know, it could be... Mine was at least... It was electric, but it was, was like half electric. And I did have to like play with the feed and everything. Like it seemed like a real organ. So, yeah. I think... Because when I just did it at Portland, we had... It wasn't part of the theater because we had it brought in. But it was not like a keyboard size. Like it was a rather large organ that we then like piped we did have a mic on it because i had to call a mic up and a mic off cue mm -hmm. but the first time i did it no the second time i did faust um i think we actually had an organ in that theater which is so unusual but right. it did actually have an organ and actually yeah. the the one of the theaters at suny purchase has an organ yeah like a huge, huge. or like, like a, an entire room yeah, we had the organ room, yeah. And yeah. then I, I guess you could push that <laughs> organ onto this concert hall. Yeah, yeah it slides on this track. Yeah, so we need to we need to do a show with an organ just so that I can see <laughs> that thing move out on the stage because it would be pretty yeah. awesome. Okay, talk to Will. Have Will work it out for next time. I don't know what Bel Canto has an organ in it, but can we have it? <laughs> concert organ? Yeah, it'd be really cool. Uh, so do you have a preferred like genre or style that you play? I mean, obviously I know you just with Bel Canto because that's where we spend our summers doing, but. Right. Well, actually my different jobs require different things. I do Bel Canto mostly at Teatro Nuovo or Caramore um, because that's, well, the name that's of the game. That's what they do, right? Yes. <laughs> when I'm at Palm Beach Opera, um, they usually do the greatest hits because we do three shows a season and for the audiences, they really just want to hear some of the um, things that they hear a lot. You know, the famous right. things like La Boheme, Madame Butterfly, Carmen. You know, I do a lot of that with a few little weird things like um, Verdi's Macbeth and um, okay. some Bel Canto things. We did our first world premiere a few years ago. Um, yeah. And then at the Canadian Opera Company, they know me for playing some of the, I guess, more difficult repertoire pianistically. So I've done weird things, a lot, a bunch of Strauss, um, the Bartok, the Schoenberg. Um, and then they also have me playing some Handel. It, you know, it, I kind of ended up playing a lot of different things. Oh, and of course, Mozart. I love all the Mozarts. But actually, the, I, only, I haven't done Mozart in a long time. Um, at Palm Beach Opera, we didn't do it for about five or six seasons. So last year when we did Figaro, um, it was my first time doing Mozart in about five years. So, but I love it. Which I, I do know. also have to say, I, we just, we just did an interview, I think will come out the week before yours, um, with David Adam Moore, who was oh, yes. uh, one of your counsel yeah. figure. Yeah. So yes. because he I worked with him on Faust in Portland, but he was our projection designer. Um, 
So even oh, though yes, he's a singer, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, the other aspect of what he does and how he even balances like singing versus production design, which is oh. like two huge careers. Yeah, yeah so exactly. David, actually, he was, no, he was, was so, so small. Yeah, he yeah. was so funny because he's like, yeah, and then I try to sing once in a while. And he's like, you're at the Met. What yeah. do you mean you try to sing once in a while? Like, <laughs> you're kind of a big singer. <laughs> yeah. No, David's super nice. And I don't know anything about his the other side of him. So I guess I just met him this past season at Palm Beach, where was the Count. And he actually, he asked me if I could work with him um, on a world premiere that he just covered at the uh, at the Royal Opera House in London, um, and that was a completely contemporary piece by George Benjamin. Um, and sometimes, so singers will ask me if you know they could work, to, and a lot of times I would be like, "Well, I don't know this show," and mm-hmm. but usually, as coaches, we can usually find something to say, and we can. <laughs> um, you know, even in the coaching, I'll just take, take a moment to figure something out while he's also figuring something out. Um, and then we'll work together. Um, it's like, I think this is how it goes. And he's like, that's fine. So, um, but David is great. David, when he came in for this world premiere, he, I mean, he works so hard. So he took the score and he recorded individual tracks, um, on MIDI files where he would play and he would layer the tracks so he could hear how it all put together because there's no recording since it was a world premiere. Right. So, so like the different would, voices or like yes. orchestra tracks? Wow. All. All of it. Well, like, I think of course. Did it David just did everything. Part. He just <laughs> yeah. did everything. Damn. So it's like, okay, wow, that's so much work. But with these newfangled modern, well, contemporary compositions, they are very complicated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, David. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thanks for making the rest of us look bad, David. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he doesn't sleep, considering all this stuff. He's like, yeah. So I taught myself five state of the art, you know, projection design programs that nobody's, you know, really uses because they're so high end. And I'm like, I know Q Lab and Watch Out, and you just named a bunch of stuff I have no idea about. You just taught yourself these programs. He does it after rehearsal. He's like, yeah, I do that to relax. We're like, what are you talking hey, about right that's now? That's fine. I mean, <laughs> hey, if your hobby and things that make you relax actually help your job. Like oh, improve your so career? Good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very awesome. My hobby is sleeping. It doesn't really help my career at all. I well, really got to work on a new hobby. <laughs> Yeah. Resting is good. Resting is very important. Tim will go like days without sleeping, but then when you let Tim sleep. Oh, yes, there it is. You will go days without sleeping, and we'll be like, Tim, why are you sending us emails at five o'clock in the morning? He's like, You're responding. But then when you let Tim sleep, we were like banging down his door at one o'clock in the afternoon, and we're like, Get out of bed. We want to go to Chipotle. I was like, Well, you go to Chipotle. No, and I ended up going to Chipotle. And then you came to Chipotle with us. Yeah. I should probably get some, get up. Yes. (laughs) But he would sleep like a couple hours and then just be up and continue to work. So. Mm And I then think... and then I would sleep for like 10 hours or 12 hours. Not <laughs> right. the most healthy thing, I have to say. <laughs> but it's think... what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you two know all about that. I think Cindy probably slept less than me, so. I think hour-wise, we got the same. I just like only slept five, four to five hours a night. Yeah, I think I had about that. Sometimes I would get six if I just didn't, because I didn't go to Italian classes or anything. So. Right. <laughs> and you had to set up before then. So. Yeah, but she had so much fun. She would sit through the Italian class and then be sending me pictures and stuff of Lucy up there talking about how <laughs> Star Wars relates to an Italian something. <laughs> she really, like, she could go from, like, Monty Python to Star Wars and somehow that, like, related to the Medean story. And I'm like, aren't uh, we in Italian class right now? But yeah. Uh, Lucy operates on a different plane than all of us. <laughs> than the rest of us all together. But I'm trying to get I'm Twin gonna... to get her on. I want to talk to her. I just see a bunch of right. pictures of her constantly. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I decided I'm going to try to learn how to speak Italian now. So I've been trying to teach myself through Duolingo. I haven't oh, done it amazing. the last like two weeks because rehearsals have been crazy. But right. I feel like I already know some of it because 
especially with the two other Italian coaches this year. And like Brandani speaks Italian and, you know, I felt like half of the conversations I was surrounded by this summer were all in Italian or German. And so I was like, well, yeah. I gotta figure something out. If I'm going to continue to do bel canto right now, Right. <laughs> how to speak that language yeah i mean that's how i feel pretty accomplished when i could listen to to italian speakers speak and i'm like i got most of that <laughs> like, i can't respond at all right but, but at I least can, know what you're saying i can actually understand some of what they're talking about so that's, that's yeah nice. i i can't usually do that I can only go off of the inflection in the voice and uh the random words that translate like names that's about all i get <laughs> yeah in in most languages (laughs) six weeks surrounded by it and a lot of times like lucy and will will just speak to each other in italian and they're both like american like born and raised in the united states yeah they're like north carolina right but they just speak italian to each other and then we included you know brandani who speaks italian and all these other and so we would just be like walking along speaking italian in the middle of suny purchase and i was like i really need to figure this out (laughs) But you're slacking. Of, Twid, you're slacking a lot. I mean, sleeping five or six hours, not learning projection <laughs> not programs, Italian. not speaking yeah. Italian. I'm not sure what you're doing with all your time. This is true. Uh, this is very true. Yeah, I have friends who work in European houses, and I mean, a lot of times they do speak in English, but the cast often comes from so many different places. But a lot of people speak multiple languages. So sometimes different people will converse in different languages, you know, even in Toronto, actually, you know, the, uh, I guess we had the assistant director who was talking to one of the mezzos who they spoke in French, but then our director, like general or the music director spoke German to someone else, to the assistant conductor who spoke German. I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating to see you know, how all the languages are happening all around the opera house. Yeah. I think it's a great way to develop your brain. I think being able to speak different languages, I think it challenges your mind and keeps it active. But I think it also is part of that culture. As you say, people who live in Germany or in just the rest of Europe, are they will hear different languages all the time. So yeah. they're more... Uh, attuned to it and I think there's more more of a willingness to learn them if you are just you know your next door neighbor speaks a completely different language than you are like literally if you go from you know New York to Chicago it would be like two different countries you know in Europe so you might as well learn that a little bit about that exactly like I feel so much more inspired to do it when I'm you know, surrounded by people who are speaking Italian all the time, you know, it gives me much more motivation to, to learn the language, which is, mm-hmm. I just have to surround myself. Well, it's yeah, just we weird because I don't do bel canto during the year, you know, <laughs> like most of what I do is like new modern contemporary opera, which right. is like mostly kind English. of in my mind, one, it's kind of completely different than bel canto music. Oh yeah, it's completely it's like, different. Yeah. The yeah, complete I mean, the opposite ends of, of the scale. Yeah. Yeah. The style of theater is so different. Like the aesthetic is so different. And well, I mean, here, of course, we do everything in English, you know, for contemporary stuff. I mean, if you go to Germany, their contemporary stuff will be in German. Um, <laughs> but yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's great to, well, so I get to work in so many different languages and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So we're yeah, at. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Just like most people, Tim's like, I don't think I could talk for an hour. Tim, it's been like 55 minutes already that we've been recording That's and we were good. talking before this. So mm-hmm, yep. the last question, which I <laughs> Well, that's what's awesome is like everyone's just passionate. What I love about theater people, and I include like everybody in that, is everyone's passionate about what they do. That's why they do theater. So when you're passionate about it, you could just like talk about it forever. So Yeah, but I don't usually like to hear myself talk. But it's great because the two of you are very open and welcoming I have great questions. Uh, so I think you lead the guests to be able to talk more than, than like five than, minutes. Than, yeah. And you don't ever have to listen to this podcast. Seriously, I don't like my recorded voice, so I've never listened to one of our podcasts. I listen to other people's podcasts. I do the podcast. Right. I advertise the podcast. But I don't actually listen to our podcast. Right. Like, I know what we're going to say. I did it. <laughs> right. I've listened to, like, six of our podcasts. I have to admit, 
In the beginning, yeah. I was listening to them partly because I wanted to see like how they edited, like how Kai edited and how they went together and like how I sounded. And sometimes I went back to like listen to them if I knew I was working with that person again to like remind right. myself of like what they talked about. Um, but yeah, that was mostly in the beginning and I just haven't done it since, but I might go mm -hmm. back and re-listen to some. Yeah. But it's interesting. I okay, so our, our last question is, mm -hmm. do you have any twin stories? Side note, okay. I want to hear any exciting stories about that one. I pointed at the <laughs> screen, not that you could see that. No. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, I've only really encountered two sets of identical twins in my life. Like, you know, That's one still pretty in... good. Yeah. Good. Yeah? Well, one was, it, well, I guess the two of you now. I mean, I was like, I didn't count the two of you for some reason since you're right in front of me. Um, <laughs> but you haven't longer. actually met me, so. I guess. I mean, I guess, I guess we've not, never. Because, no, yeah, because... Stacy came last year. I don't know if you saw her. She, like, came into New well, 42nd this. Street. Yes, I think I... you mentioned this, but I don't think I was there at that time, which is why I was like, I, I knew Stacy was coming, but yeah. I, I guess I didn't. I don't think I met you that time. Was that the time I was in New I York think. for like 24 hours? I don't yes, remember much. Yes. Yeah, yes. I was there for like 24 hours and we slept like six or seven of those. So. Right, right. Yeah, we had uh, identical twins in, I guess, in my elementary school. Um, and I just thought they were cool, I guess. I didn't really interact with them very much. But I did, I think I could have, like, I could tell them apart. Like, you know, identical twins, they're like the same, but eventually slightly different. So yep, I think I could that's tell usually what happens. Yeah. So <laughs> But in elementary you know. school they usually are a lot more similar. Exactly. Exactly. Because they're still their parents are half dressing them and their parents are probably cutting their hair the same and all that because right. they're siblings and that's yeah. what happens. But I don't usually see the two of them together. You know, so I think they wanted to be different people more so so the other set of twins that i saw recently was actually i just did i went on a vacation to the uk for fun i was at the edinburgh fringe festival for the first time which is a nice. blast i had a friend who was doing one of the shows so on my last day there which was also the last day of the festival i was kind of with some friends and we were deciding what to see and um someone handed out a flyer to us as what as they do there and they said, hi, you know, uh, are you looking for a show to see? And we're like, yes. And so so come to our show, which is happening in 15 minutes. Um, we're a set of identical twins and we are stand-up comedians, musical comedians. Um, and here's you know, a flyer. And uh, don't be afraid. Like, it's not just me. It's I promise you we are twins. It's not just like me in two different <laughs> poses. Because <laughs> they really looked exactly the same. Yes. So, yeah, so it was like, okay, that sounds fun. So we ended up going to the Stevenson Experience. Yes, I think that's their name. They're uh, Australian. Yeah, they were uh, identical twin brothers who did a really funny stand-up show with a lot of music, very loud. Um, I was like, okay, you can turn down the mic now, but, um, <laughs> but they did not. Um, no, but they were very funny. And of course, they played up the fact that they were identical twins and one was 30 minutes older than the other. And oh, 30 all, minutes? Know, that's a pretty the... good time. Yeah? Is that, is that long or short? Because actually, I, I think that's about no idea. normal. I think, yeah. Well, it depends. Normal. If your natural birth, 30 minutes is pretty normal. If it's C-section, it's a couple minutes. We were weird. Right. We were natural, but we're only four minutes apart. I was not oh, wow. waiting for her. <laughs> she cheated by stepping on me to get out, so I was right out after her. Really? That's hysterical. Yeah, she's pretty evil. She came, Don't let her fool she you. She came out with a black eye, so that's literally what the <gasps> nurses said, is that, like, I kicked her on the way out to get out yep. first. See? Then... See what she does? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's hysterical. <laughs> that's why I'm the oldest. Yeah, got exactly. It, got it, got it. So 30 Just minutes, I think. Exactly, because she cheated. But 30 minutes, I think, is more normal for uh, a natural twin birth. Yeah. No, th no, it was great. They, uh, well, I mean, they definitely played up. You know, they basically made a whole shtick about how one of them is actually 30 minutes of the other person in the future. So they did, <laughs> yeah. they did a little thing where the older brother 
kind of like slapped himself in the face. And then 30 minutes later, like probably actually 30 minutes later, the younger one also like slapped himself in the face. <laughs> that is so excellent. I was, like, I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. That's pretty funny. So yeah, I think you can check them out online. So, oh, I'm, but yeah, they're fun. so going to be Google, Instagram, Facebook, whatever <laughs> to find them. Yeah, so that's, I guess that's my identical twin stories that I know. I wonder how that works if we're on different time zones. Yeah, because like technically, <laughs> when we celebrate birthdays, we were born on my time zone. So she shouldn't mm. be able to celebrate her birthday until it becomes our birthday on my time zone. Because otherwise, it's not really her birthday, even if it's the correct day, because she's on the wrong time zone. Right. I see. Yeah, because I was born in Hong Kong. And so... I mean, I was arguing with my friend who had the same birthday. I was like, we were both born in the morning, but I was like, I, but I was born in Hong Kong, so my morning was before you. So I'm older. Yeah, something. quite a bit so older. I mean, it's we're not talking two or three hours. Like, there's a lot of gapage there between <laughs> anyone in the American time zones to Hong Kong. Right. So I you would you be older, out, yeah. Yeah, you have to figure out what, what time were you born, you know, and then you'd be like, well, it's not quite my birthday yet at this time zone, but it is at this time zone. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to figure that out next time. <laughs> what time zone I'm going to celebrate in. Yeah, but then what time zone are you going to be in for your birthday? Because half the time you're not in the time zone of Brooklyn, you're in a different time zone. It's true. It's true. Maybe I'll be in California time zone next time. We'll see. Ooh. I haven't planned out January yet. That's January. <laughs> it's a couple months away. We don't know where you're going to be then. That's very true. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for, for joining us on our podcast. It was so interesting. Of course. That was my um, pleasure. Gonna... Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I, I, I would say I have more respect for coaches, but, like, I have the utmost respect for you and all that you do. But <laughs> oh, now I'm going to hold you. all the coaches I know at a higher level. I mean, oh, like, I'm sorry. Great. You don't know. <laughs> you have to know what these singers are saying. Yeah, did you translate the entire script? I mean, you've had it for a couple weeks, so I expect a full <laughs> translation. And scheduling. Yeah. You could just schedule all of this, then that'd be great. Dude, I had to say, my first summer, because I expected to do, as stage managers, usually we do all of our own scheduling. And so when they're like, oh, no, the pianist does it. And I was like, okay. But I was, now I'm just like, oh, thank God. But Tim probably spent like 60% of his time this summer doing scheduling. So Yeah, lots of scheduling. I had to schedule <laughs> myself time to schedule because the schedule would change so much. <laughs> there were so many days that Tim's yes. like, oh, no, it's Thursday night. I can't do anything because the schedule has to go out tomorrow. So like the next mm-hmm. eight hours is going to be me scheduling. Right. Well, yeah. actually, Teatro Nuevo was the place where I do the most scheduling. I was like, at other places, there's like a scheduler or some, or the stage manager does some scheduling, but works with the yeah. company manager, right? But yeah. Yeah. yeah so play a different Te- role depending on where I go. Yeah. And Teatro Nuevo, you guys didn't just have like a cast of five and a chorus of 20. Like you had how many people? I had 63 singers and 12 or 15 staff members and then orchestra members, like 40 of them. Um, But the 63 singers would have to be individual coachings sometimes. And then they were in different shows and they were in different classes. They they were in chorus. Some of them were in chorus. Some of them were not in chorus. some of the, and then there was the whole Mozart project where they were in five operas, so there were five casts of those, and everyone was covering. Oh, it was just a lot. The yeah. orchestra did. The orchestra did mostly move on mass. Although I keep forgetting, you know, the harpist would email me, be like, "So am I needed for this rehearsal?" It's like, "Oh no, you're not. Thank you for messaging me because like I didn't have any more energy at that point to be like, who is needed in what orchestra rehearsal because they wouldn't usually ask me. They wouldn't usually tell me, you know." Oh, we don't need the harp with these numbers. It's like, okay, well, okay, good to know. <laughs> the harpist appreciates knowing. Yeah. yeah. Just like the serpent, like, what show is the serpent in? When, it, when is yeah. it called to rehearse? 90% of them all met, just did it together. I don't think I ever met the serpent player. I didn't even get to really see what the serpent was looking like because I was so busy doing other things. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you were covering all the other rehearsals I couldn't be at. Right. Yeah. So I did so many things. I learned so much about like, you know, lighting and other stage management, stage management. Oh, I I timed a show. Oh, right. Oh, damn. I ran out of time. I couldn't time a show. I timed one of them and then Tim timed the other one, which apparently there's recordings. We'll have to ask Jakob because as Tim says, he sings through the whole thing when he plays it. So him timing 
Tom Crady. He like sung through all of Tom Crady while typing <laughs> Tom Crady. I mean, in, I, yeah. In our rooms. So well, and like, yeah, because like there were cuts in recordings, and basically we didn't cut, so I had to make up timings for the other parts. Apparently, but apparently I timed one of the shows like ten minutes too long because you know uh, you don't know. I haven't been in rehearsals, so but I learned. <laughs> I only did one timing because Cindy was busy and Darlene Miyakawa was busy or something. And yeah, it was hideous. <laughs> it took me hours and I don't think I got through act one. Like I'm not a stage oh. manager. I don't have to go through scripts and scores like that. And I haven't read music since right. like junior high. high? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, sophomore year in high school. I, the last time I had to read music. So I was like, yeah, I know the basic idea, but Jesus, I have no idea where they just went in this music. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were on a show, I would just time it by playing it, like, in a practice room sometime. But I was not on that show. I was like, I don't know what's going So I just made it up. But it was fine. It we're was here fine. Now. You got through it. It was fine. fine. I learned some of the lingo of lighting. That's good. Thank you. Lights, not like you. Too many syllables. (laughs) Too many syllables. Yeah. Yeah. Too many syllables. Oh my God. He would drill me every single day. Yeah. Don't say. Mm -hmm. What was I not supposed to say? Point. Point. Dot is better. They say dot. Lights. Yeah. It's a lot of funny. That's what we do on headset. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We, I need to go back to figuring out what the hell I'm doing with my second show. This, <laughs> this, this company. But um, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um, of course. Thanks, you know, Tim. I will talk to you soon because the five of us at Teatro Nuevo have a, a constant Facebook chat <laughs> yeah, that know, we right? keep going all across the world. So <laughs> right. All across the world, really. So thank you, Stacy. <laughs> it's good to meet you. Yeah, you too. At some point, I'm going to make it out to Teatro Nuevo. Not that Cindy Sounds will have good. any time to do anything, but well, I'll just follow her around and take pictures. I've been trying to tell her that she needs to write me into her contracts so that I can just yeah. follow her around and work with her and probably make way more money. Uh, and then yeah. both of our lives should be easier. Right. Well, you don't even have to work with Cindy. You can also, like pretend to be Cindy sometime. Which you know, would work really well at Chacho Novo. Because yeah. we could exactly. be at like two places at once. Exactly. It would be impressive. Huh? It would be awesome. I can unclog oh, that- Kai said I can unclog all the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's assuming so true. this part is no longer in no in the I'm, podcast. <laughs> I'm really good at toilets and bathrooms and maintenance, so it would probably well, work out pretty nicely. At- Actually, it would probably work out well in SUNY Purchase, yes. <laughs> well, because exactly. we, we were literally, like, recording a podcast one day. Because I would, like, go in my room and we would do park podcasts. But I kept, mm. that was the night that, I forget, Alina's toilet clogged up or something. So I kept having to, like, step away from the podcast because, like, we didn't have a plunger at that point And their toilet was clogged up and it was in the middle of the night. And so, like, I kept leaving the podcast to, like, deal with this <laughs> issue. So, so now it's oh kind of gosh. been a running joke of twin unclogs toilets right or uses dish soap to unclog toilets or has to call somebody to find a plunger or dish soap to unclog toilets it's been in a number of podcasts it's quite impressive (laughs) got it got it got it (laughs) (laughs) well thank you we'll talk to you soon talk to you soon (laughs) thank you Bye. bye Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Total Music, Dance Macop, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.